Today, I want to follow up on a book that I talked about in earlier episodes by Terry Cole Whitaker called What You Think of Me is None of My Business. The main concept of that book is if somebody has something negative to say about you, then what that person has to say about you is none of your business. Ignore it. Let it slide right off and don't absorb it and let it impact you in any way. Uh, and I want to share some stories with you from when I was younger, when I had some uh, negative experiences with what people thought about me or what people said to me and and how I handled it later when I got older. So um, for, for, for parents or kids that should not be listening, I am going to use one profane word. So there's profanity coming. So there's your, there's your warning. It's not for me, but it's with something that was directed to me from a teacher in the seventh grade. I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell any other teachers. I should have gone straight to the principal's office with what I should have done, but I was only 12 years old, and I believed what this teacher told me, so I was too scared. <clears throat> I was too scared to do anything about it. So I had a teacher named... Um, well, I probably shouldn't say his name. I don't even know if he's still alive, but we'll call him Mr. W. And he was he was the science teacher at our school and also the photography teacher. So I believe I had photography. I think it was the seventh grade. Could have been eighth grade, but I'm thinking most likely the seventh grade. And um, I remember, you know, I wasn't really doing all that great in that class anyways, but we had a project. And what we had to do is we had to develop film now that concept might be foreign for a lot of a lot of you kids listening to this because everything's digital. But back then, uh, you would go into a dark room and you would open up a cartridge and you would develop film, and it had to be in the dark or under some special type of lighting. Well, the teacher never explained about how to open up a a film cartridge and the process to do it, and I didn't know how to do it. And I was trying to explain to the teacher, like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. He's like, oh, just go back there and go in the dark room. So I, I go in the dark room with some cartridge that, I mean, I don't even think I know how to open it. And, and I'm in there, complete dark, right? Because you can't even have those little special lights when you're actually doing the developing. When you open, I guess when you open the cartridge, you can't have any exposure to light at all. And so I'm in the dark. And I'm trying to open this thing, but of course I can't see anything. I may as well have been blindfolded. And I felt really insecure because I didn't know what I was doing. I already felt like the teacher didn't like me and was being mean to me. So I kind of came out of there kind of humiliated and, and embarrassed. And I go up to Mr. W and I say, hey, I, uh, I don't know how to open the cartridge. I'll never forget the look on his face. He just kind of shook his head. He was not joking because he did not like me. And he said, exasperated, did anybody ever tell you that you have shit for brains? He said it right in front of a classmate who, because I remember he was in the eighth grade, so I was a grade less. And he said that, and I was just like, wow, I I can't believe he's, he said that. And, and I believe, you know, what he's saying, maybe it's true. Maybe I do have shit for brains because maybe I'm supposed to know how to do this. And uh, Joel was like, here, you know, he was, he was the photography whiz guy. He's like, here, I'll help you. So Joel went and we're in the dark and Joel's just kind of doing it. And he's like, all right, that's all there is to it. And he's kind of explaining to me how to do it in the dark. And, and that was it. 
Um, but I should have done something about that. You shouldn't let any teachers talk to you like that. Really, any adult. And the problem is, as kids, we give so much respect to adults that we don't challenge them when they do things wrong. And adults are fallible, believe me, and so are teachers. Now, should I have gotten in an argument and told off the teacher? Absolutely not. I'm only a kid. You know, Mr. W is probably in his early 60s, late 50s, but I absolutely should have gone to the principal's office immediately and, and said what happened. I should have reported it because he shouldn't be talking like that to any kid. Teachers are there to encourage the students, not call them names and humiliate them because oftentimes we just choose to focus on the negative. People can give you five compliments. We don't believe it, but it's the negative things that people tell us that we hold on to for years. And we start to take that on as an identity and we start to believe it. And remember, I was already not a good student and I did not think that I could ever become a straight A student. And that was my goal. That's what I thought I had to do when I got to the ninth grade if I wanted to be a lawyer. Somebody lied to me when I was a kid that I had to be straight A students. So when this teacher's telling me this, it just creates more doubt and uncertainty that, yeah, he's probably right. And I'm not going to be able to do what, what my lifetime dream was. So that was 1982, seventh grade. Now, let's fast forward to, let's see, 1988, uh, biology class. Now, in an earlier episode, I told you that I learned a skill set at a seminar on how to take notes. And just as important, if not more important, how to study those notes. I had a biology class. I couldn't afford the textbook. I was going to drop the class because I couldn't afford the textbook. And I asked, told the teacher, look, I, don't, I can't afford the textbook. Um, do I have to buy it in order to get an A in your class? And she said, no, it's all lecture. And I'm like, are you sure? So if I just study the lecture notes, I can get an A in your class. And she said, yes. And I probably had 150 to 200 pages of notes. And when the exam came out, she said, I have an announcement for the first time in 25 years, somebody got a perfect score. And in this auditorium of 120 students, she walked straight up to me, handing my paper and said, congratulations, right? And I was just like blown away. I couldn't believe it. People were looking at me like I'd come from planet Mars. And uh, I was, and my initial thought wasn't like, oh, I'm super happy. It was like, I was just shocked. Like, wow, this is, this is crazy. These study skills that I learned really work because for that particular exam, I practiced what I was taught perfectly, right? To the T. Now that's the background. In lab, that biology lab that we had, there, you know, they put us in uh, in groups. There was a girl who wasn't in my group, and of course, she knew that I got the hundred because she was there when when the announcement was made. And it's kind of cool because people just start treating you like you're some super smart rock star person, which I knew I wasn't. But it was like, okay, they they think that right because I pulled off this extraordinary result. So it's kind of cool. You kind of get attention for people. Hey, can I see your notes and all this kind of stuff? So I'm like, okay, that that's cool. But we're sitting in lab, we're sitting at our desks, and I don't think class had started yet. I'm just kind of talking to some friends. And this girl's not even in the conversation. She's at some other kind of uh, table. And out of the blue, I mean, we, I mean, I had my notes open or whatever for lab, and we weren't even talking about notes. We weren't even really talking about school. And then all of a sudden, this girl just straight out says, I think that the way you do your notes is really stupid. And like me and the two other people in class were just flabbergasted. I'm like, excuse me? She's like, 
yeah, I know you got a hundred on the exam, but the way you do your notes is really stupid. And I'm like, um, well, this is how I was taught and I don't care. It's stupid. And she just kept saying that. And then I realized like, all right, this girl completely blindsided me. I wasn't accepting what she was saying because I knew I was like, how could what I be doing is stupid? I just got a hundred, right? Nobody had done that in 25 years. So I didn't argue with her. I didn't give her a dirty look. If anything, I just kind of felt sorry for her. I She definitely wasn't getting an A in the class. And I just kind of let it go because I had never engaged her in any conversation before. And I have no idea other than just jealousy and resentment on how she just had to express her opinion in, in front of two people I was talking to. And like I said, I don't even think I'd ever engaged her in a conversation. So you know, there are people out there that even when you're doing things the right way or you're doing great, you know, they're haters and they're going to hate on you no matter what. And so if people are doing that, that should just be feedback to you. Like you're doing the right thing. You're doing something that's significant. You're not just sitting in the background doing nothing. And she felt the need to, to say this. And, uh, you know, I'm no longer 12 years old. I'm 18. I've had all these great results. So whatever this person had to say, didn't ring true for me at all. I knew it wasn't true and I could immediately reject it. And I didn't have to convince her because what she thought or said to me was none of my business and it just slid off like Teflon. Okay, another story, a little, little interesting is my accounting class, accounting 201. So this is like second year of college. Um, we had this uh, great accounting teacher. He was a CPA, so he's an adjunct professor because his full-time job was CPA. I don't know, he had a few partners, like maybe five to 10 people working for him. And he would teach um, accounting classes at our school. He was probably in his you know, mid-60s, mid to late 60s, very distinguished man, very serious. And um, you know what I do is first day of, of any class, when you get that, is I study the syllabus. To me, one of the key things to getting an A in a class is I need to know what the syllabus is. That's my roadmap to getting the A. I need to see what is the teacher grading on, what percentage is you know exams, pop quizzes, homework, final exam, if they're extra credit. I read the, that syllabus multiple times and I make sure I master it because that is my roadmap. Most people, if they even look at the syllabus for a few minutes, they don't take it seriously. But I, can, I look at that syllabus very seriously and, and I master it and I make sure like this is what I have to do to get the A in the class. Well, in my accounting 201 class, there weren't any points for doing homework. But the teacher who's really serious was he said that we had to do homework. And if you know anything about accounting, accountants, right, the people in the you'll see in any kind of accounting class, they're very um, they're very, let's just say in a nice way, serious people. They're quiet. They're diligent. They're very serious. We had people showing up with a shirt and tie. And I'm like, they must be have a job somewhere and they're coming to school. I was a full-time student, but you could tell there were a lot of working people in there. And accounting was just like taking a foreign language. I had no idea. I'd never been introduced to business terminology or language or vocabulary. It was very intimidating to me. It was it was scary. The people that were in there scared me because they just looked all business-like, and I'm walking in a class with a tank top and shorts. Um, so it was it was a different vibe and atmosphere than I'd ever been exposed to up until that point uh, because now I'm in 
I mean, you know, this is the business school. So um, when it came time to do homework, they would have to do it like on this grid type of paper. And it just looked really hard and looked like it'd take a long time. And I would look at the homework assignments in the back of the book. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I don't want to do this. This is, looks like a lot of work. It looks too hard. And so it really intimidated me. And since we weren't getting points on it, um, on the syllabus, I decided not to do the homework. Well, when we'd go to class, the instructor would just randomly, randomly pick students and he'd pick your name and you had to be prepared to do the homework. There were maybe 40 students in that class. And lucky for me, the teacher hadn't, my name hadn't been called for a, for a long time. And uh, one day, this was before we, we had an exam, pretty close, maybe a week, week, two weeks away from the first exam. And he called my name. Oh, let me back up a minute. Everybody always had their homework done, that it laid out in front of them. And whenever the teacher called on somebody, they had their homework ready, they'd go through it, and they would get their acknowledgement from the teacher. But it was just like never a question whether people were going to do their homework. Well, I didn't do the homework ever. And that was probably a mistake because I'm sure there was some value in it, but I just chose not to do it. And so when the teacher called on me, Damien, you know, no, you know, number, question number, whatever. And then <laughs> I said, no, um, what am I now? 19. I didn't have really still didn't have much confidence. And I said, I didn't do the homework. You could hear a gasp, a collective gasp in the class, like, oh my God, you know, the teacher's going to come down on him. And then I, my head just got flush and I'm like looking down at my desk and embarrassed because I, you know, I look back and everybody's kind of, you know, scared, like what's going to happen? The teacher's kind of like beside himself, right? Because he, he tells us stories about how hard he is um, on, on his workers, right? CPAs. He's like, I don't understand, you know, these CPAs, these are professionals. If something's due in two weeks, they should have it done two weeks early so that we could look at it and things need to be done early and blah, blah, blah. So he's like a super type A guy, right? And then now, I'm the only person that didn't do the homework. And so he just kind of, he's at the podium and he kind of shuffles his, his papers and snickers with his mouth and shakes his head like in disbelief and shame towards me. And he says, well, we know how you're going to do on the exam. And he makes a note. And I'm thinking, what is this dude making a note for? It's like, it's not on the syllabus. We don't get graded for this. And then he just went on and it's like, people were looking at me like, oh, this guy is a total fruitcake. Me, oh me, get him out of here. Why is he here? And I knew class was over. I, people were looking at me like I was just some weirdo. And I just kind of walked out of there. I was, I was embarrassed. And I was like, maybe, maybe I should have done the homework. So when the exam came, um, the teacher, again, it was one of those things. He's like, you know, 10, 15 years, whatever, been teaching the class. Nobody's got a perfect score. I got a hundred and he announced it to the class. But the cool thing was he had to be the paper. <laughs> and there was that collective gasp again of everybody just in complete shock. Like, are you kidding me? This guy right now? I, I, I was a little bit, sh I was shocked, but I was also like happy to like want to shove it in everybody's face for how they kind of reacted to me not doing the homework. But the teacher, he was so like tickled. He, he liked the idea and he said, class, so this only applies to Damien and nobody else. He does not have to do the homework. 
everybody else is expected to do the homework. So it's like, I'm just thinking to myself, oh my God, you know, it's great to feel like really special. And he says, you know, I just, I find it really hard to believe that you didn't do the homework and you're able to pull this off. Nobody's done it. And he's like, you're an anomaly. And he said this and I'm like, did this guy just call me a bad word? Like, what the heck is an anomaly? I had no idea what an anomaly said, but he said it like in a positive way. And I'm like, okay, I can't wait to go look up that word. What, you know, what does an anomaly mean? But, you know, after then, he just kind of treated me like special, like a superstar. And I'm going to class and I don't have to do the homework. And by the way, I don't think I ever did the homework. So that, that was, that was kind of cool. Um, I think I had another 100 on the second exam. I ended up getting to 95. But the whole the point of that story was being called chip for brains at age 12. Somebody tell me I'm stupid or my notes are stupid, but I felt like they were calling me stupid. I let it just roll off when I just pulled off the, you know, the miraculous biology class and somebody's still feeling this way. In accounting 201, teacher said, let's see how he's going to do on the exam. And the class is just gasping. So that was just affirmations like, you know, you don't belong here. You're not going to do good. And they're just kind of setting me up for you know, their expectation is I'm just going to fail and do bad. But, you know, I knew who I was at, at, at that point and I already had my plan and I knew what I was going to do. And so what that teacher thought initially of me and what my classmates thought was none of my business. It didn't matter. I knew of my abilities. I knew of my skill sets. And to be able to perform just to prove that I was right, it's just a really awesome feeling, right? And you're able to get that. That confidence wasn't a false confidence. It was a confidence that had only come from prior performance. So once you start getting your first A or multiple A's, you're going to know, like, I belong and I can do this. And it doesn't matter what people expect of me and it doesn't matter what people say. You just get the confidence from your prior performance. The... um. So the other thing that I wanted to say is, you know, people can call you names, whatever it's going to be, right? They might even criticize you for being studious or doing well in school. Well, let me tell you something. These people that have negative things to say about you or calling you names, they're going to be calling you boss later in life. So they can call you nerd, geek, whatever, bookworm, anything they want to call you. But these are the people that will be calling you boss later on. I've always had my own business from day one as being a lawyer. Didn't have to work for somebody else. It's liberating to be your own boss. And I respect my employees, unlike a lot of places that I worked. In, in 1986, I, my first job in summer, I worked at a lawyer's office. It was the worst nightmare of my life that actually made me a better person. It was four lawyers, the dad, his three sons, and the wife, the accountant. All they did was scream and yell and the F word all day long. It was just an absolute uh, disaster. The I was using, can you imagine, 1986, the photocopy machine. It jammed on me. I'd never used a photocopy machine, you know, especially these high production ones. And the photocopy thing jammed. And I, you know, you have to open up all kinds of trays and stuff. And I didn't know this. And then one of the lawyers came to me and he says, are you stupid? And then he's like, you're supposed to fan the paper. And he gets the, the paper and fans it right in my face. And I, he's yelling at me. And there's three you know, adult sec legal secretaries there. And I'm just like, I have no idea like what's going on, right? At 10th grade, I just got straight A's in 9th and 10th grade. And this guy's telling me that I'm stupid because I don't know how to operate a machine that I'm using for the first time. And it's like, this guy's probably like in his 30s. Like, do they realize you know, that words hurt and can affect people and nobody said anything. 
Um, nobody gave me any training. I've got yelled at by the boss who had two shotguns right behind his desk. Don't ask the paralegal anything. Don't waste your time. I'm like, I was talking to a paralegal for like two minutes trying to explain like, what am I supposed to do? I'm not a lawyer. And they're giving me client files and asking me to talk to clients. And one of the clients complained and said, you know, it's not your fault. You're just a kid. And client starts yelling at the attorney. Like, what are you doing giving my case to a kid? And it's like, I don't know what's going on. But that place really made me feel incompetent, really made me feel stupid and insecure. And I just go upstairs like to hide from working. I'm like, what's happening? Is this what it's like in the workplace? And just telling myself like, you know, when I have my own law office, my employees are going to appreciate me because I'm not going to disrespect them and be mean to them the way these people are treating me. I'm not going to let that happen. And I remember I was at home. It's still, I would only been working there maybe five weeks, getting $3 and I don't know, five cents an hour minimum wage job. And I'm in my backyard playing basketball. And then I get a message from somebody in the household that tells me, oh, um, we got a uh, call back from the lawyer's office and they don't need you anymore. I'm like, what does that mean? Well, they don't need you anymore. Well, I don't get it. It means you're fired. And it's like, that was like completely deflated me. As much as I felt like I was abused at that place and I didn't like it. And I felt every day that, you know, my my stepmom was driving me there. I felt like she was taking me to an abusive place. It hurt to get fired, to be like, they don't want you. I got fired. Why did I get fired? Right. I'm trying to do my best. And for a stinking, you know, minimum wage job. Um, and it hurt. And I wasn't able to just deflect it despite my success that I had, because this was my first entry into the workforce. I think maybe I don't have what it takes to be in the workforce later, let alone being a lawyer. But, you know, thank God that I was able to overcome and succeed in school and, and, and go on, uh, you know, graduate law school and become a lawyer. But the thing is, when people are successful and as, as you're going for things, you're going to have challenges. Just expect you're going to have people that are going to not be supportive or be negative or call you names or fire you from a job that uh, you didn't deserve to be fired or get a grade that you didn't get deserve to get. Whatever it is, right? These things are going to happen. And it, and it doesn't matter that these things happen. What matters is your reaction to it. How do you respond to it? Are you going to absorb it and believe it and let it stop you or discourage you? Or are you just going to let it slide off? Or, or inspire you to, um, to overcome and, and prove, prove yourself right. You know, prove yourself right that, that you, you are worth something, regardless of what people would, regardless of what people think about you. So um, the overall purpose of this episode is, you know, it's, this whole program is called Challenge Me. And so you're going to have these challenges. And my challenge to you is what people think about you is none of your business. You just know who you are. And you know, be confident in your skills, get the results, which is just going to keep giving you more momentum and more confidence. And whatever it is you want to do, you can do it. It doesn't matter what your past performance has been. It doesn't, especially doesn't matter what other people think about you. The only thing that matters is what you believe about yourself and what I believe that you're capable of doing, because if you've managed to listen to 24 minutes now of this episode, I believe that you have what it takes. You care. You're listening to this because you want to better yourself and you want to succeed. So that tells me 
that you have what it takes. And I absolutely believe in you. And don't let anybody tell you any different. Take care, guys.